something wrong You've been putting up with my shit just way too long I'm so gifted at finding what I don't like the most So I think it's time for us to have a toast Let's have a toast for the douchebags Let's have a toast for the assholes Let's have a toast for the scumbags Every one of them that I know Let's have a toast for the jerk-offs Gotta never take work off Baby, I got a plan Run away fast as you can Find pictures in my email I sent this bitch a picture Hello and welcome to the Two Red Gringos. I'm uh, Phil Bucky, your favorite asshole, and I'm joined today by your favorite scumbag, Patrick Staley. Pat. <laughs> I, I thought for sure it would be douchebag, but I'll take it. <laughs> so uh, that, that seems to be the theme um, this week. Uh, so what better way to start it off than with a little bit of Kanye? Um, off of uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Mm. My favorite, my favorite of all the Kanye albums, uh, "Eight Oh Eight and Heartbreak," close second behind it. It's uh, I think that would be a uh, a little bit of a polarizing statement. Um, although I tend to agree <laughs> with you, quite honestly. Um, but the, but the interesting thing is if you haven't checked it out yet, and maybe this is a, we might have to do a whole separate episode about this, but Kanye madness, uh, I saw someone make a bracket of Kanye's best songs, um, top 64 and, uh, yeah, we may have to fill, fill out some bracket brackets and, uh, see what we come up with maybe, maybe next episode. But, uh, for now we'll just enjoy his, uh, dulcet tones in the back while, uh, (laughs) We we talk our poison. So every every uh, episode we always start off with a nice brew. So uh, what are you sporting today? All right, I was talking with you the other day, and it's I don't go too crazy about IPAs. You know, I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. I like the lagers of the world, but this session IPA Piedra Lisa uh, by Colimita, who's doing who's doing God's work down here in Mexico, um, is probably the greatest thing i've ever tasted in my entire life (laughs) okay (laughs) the greatest thing ever period i mean i'm trying to like a euro and cheese fries from byron's comes to mind in chicago but no i mean i was blown away by this brew like it's just it's simple enough that i could just down 10 of these it's not that heavy so you could actually down 10 of them and not be dead the next day um but it's still got that kind of i don't know that kind of hoppy that hoppy kick to it that we know and love from ipas too so it's it i'll say this it's definitely the best ipa as far as my taste buds are concerned but we both know that you've got the more refined palate when it comes to cervezas i don't know if i don't know if refined is the right word i saw a uh i saw an article the other day that uh said IPA and, and gin drinkers are uh, more likely to be sociopaths because you actually enjoy bitter flavors. So I'm, I'm a little <laughs> concerned for myself. Uh, in true uh, hop god fashion, as, as I was so um, aptly dubbed recently, um, 
I, uh, I'm sporting a Happy Camper IPA from Santa Fe Brewing Company. Um, mm. Makes me nostalgic for my days out near New Mexico. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a, that's a, a solid brew. Just a solid IPA. Um, just very well done. And, and Santa Fe Brewing Company have quite a few uh, solid beers. Um, just some of some of uh, some of the best out west. I'll say. Um, is Santa Fe Brewing Company actually based in Santa Fe? I believe so. Are they? Because I I've been there a lot, and I I don't know if I've ever come across a brewery or a tasting room if they have one. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was only up there a couple of confirmed. times. Confirmed. Yes, yes, they are. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> so you need to uh, you need to check it out next time you're up there. Um, yeah, I think so. But speaking, so so we're both sporting IPAs, so we we've got a little bit of a bitter taste in our mouth, and I think. Uh, all Liverpool fans are sporting a little bit of a bitter taste um, following the match against United last weekend. Um, not the result anyone was looking for. A frustrating game all around. Um, and it's easy to focus on some of the uh, larger issues like the fact that Craig Pawson is still a professional referee, um, <laughs> you know, or things of that nature. But I think uh, for our own for our own sanity and, and just for our own analysis, it's probably more beneficial to look at some of the things that Liverpool could have done better. And, and the, the person who stood out the most um, of all is a, a much maligned figure here at Two Red Gringos, but Dejan Lovren um, in particular when matched up against Romelu Lukaku. So uh, Dejan Lovren been riding a wave of positivity lately. Did that all come crashing back down to earth at Old Trafford this weekend? I thought so. Some people are still clinging, clinging to Lovren, but for me, that I mean, I was already at my last draw, and I'll admit, uh, I, I kind of got sucked back into because if you just kind of isolate his performances with Van Dyke. It, it did seem to kind of click, like, okay, maybe he is a changed player, but just like at Tottenham before that and God knows how many other opportunities or matches before Tottenham, he's just a, a catastrophe or two away from, you know, costing us the match. And he was <laughs> he was the, the, the culprit again versus United. Yeah, I, I I think that's what's so frustrating is when I looked at our back four, I thought, all right, of of these, you know, who who is getting targeted? Um, and we knew that if you go from left to right, you almost you almost go in uh, order of of uh, assuredness. We knew Robertson Robertson didn't really have all that much difficulty containing um their attacks down the down the uh down their right wing so no issues there van dyke was was fairly comfortable although he spent most of the game uh covering for lovren uh lovren was as soon as he was up against a a big physical striker i was literally having nightmares um (laughs) just recalling the days of uh, your favorite ever Liverpool player, Martin Skirtle. Um, oh, God. And, uh, and, and all of those troublesome games against the likes of, of Villa and, and everybody else, when it, whether it was Benteke or, God, even Andy Carroll. 
um, in, in a couple of West Ham games or, or Newcastle games going back uh, to, you know, earlier days, the big physical strikers have always given Liverpool such a problem. And Lukaku against Lovren always looked like a mismatch. Um, and uh, I think you actually remarked during the game that, you know, if Van Dyke were to switch uh, to try to man Mark Lukaku the whole game, which which may have, you know, uh, disrupted United's approach of, of long balls to Lukaku. Um, it would have also disrupted the way Liverpool were trying to play and, and their shape. Um, and, yeah. and so I think we just, everybody could, you know, if, if everybody took the, the, the glasses off when, when, um, looking at Lovren's performances, you just see a guy who is just not capable of hanging physically with a, with a presence like Lukaku, um, and in the buildup to both goals was just flat beaten. Um, and, and there's, we'll talk a little bit about Trent as well, but I just, I don't, I don't think, and, and I get the feeling that the sense that you may agree with me, but I, I don't think that if Joel Matip is out there, he has the same type of difficulties dealing with, dealing with Lukaku. Is that, is that fair to say, or am I just Matip bias? <laughs> we're, we're definitely bro, pro pro Matip, but I, it's it's just the way that Lovren handled it because it wasn't. I, I think just going off the way that they usually play. Granted, this doesn't filter out like players like Lukaku or other large kind of target people as they can be, but Lovren's normally good in the air. That's that's a, a strength of his. I think he's got far more aerial duels per game or challenges one than Matip does. And so that, that to me was, was what made it even worse was that he's gone up against Lukaku before and he's came out all right. But those two, just the simplest of passes one, I think what was directly was one or both of them from both from from De Gea, both from, from goal kicks, both, both from De Gea. The second one, you know, got knocked around a little bit, lucky deflection for him. Right. But just the ineptitude that Leverin showed on both of those, not even just like putting himself in position to like back off and intercept it or to go up and challenge him. I mean, he just, it was, it was woeful. Didn't even attempt to challenge Lukaku in the air for both of those. And in doing so just left Arnold isolated who, you know, Trent could have done much better on both instances, but it all just kind of stemmed from that's, that's the most basic, simple type of defending you can do. And, you know, he made he made Lukaku look like he's unstoppable. And Lukaku has been anything but that against the top six, whether it's in the air or scoring goals. So at, at, that that's what blows my mind about people defending him is because typically that, that should be a no-brainer for Lovren, like being able to challenge in the air, being able to at least make it difficult to just lay off an easy header to Rashford. So uh, those defending lover, and it just blows my mind because we've seen it time and time again. And it's, it's just the same cycle of he'll string together a few performances. I think, I think we'd make a lot of it from, you know, yes, he, he talked to the media, gave an interview beforehand and there's been, you know, that's anecdote like <laughs> where he's done that a couple times and then, you know, put out a turd the next match. But right. what's not anecdotal is this cycle of, him stringing together a couple of good performances, but then having absolute meltdowns 
against United, same thing against Tottenham, two times where it's just inexcusable issues that that if a, if a simple defender is in there like Matip or like we saw against Sevilla, anybody, just put <laughs> put a calm, level-headed defender in there and you probably don't see those two goals. Right. So the the player who, who was most uh, exposed, I guess, by by Lovren's mistakes was Trent. Um, he unfortunately ended up uh, on the end of a, of a, a pretty lethal uh, Marcus Rashford. Uh, but in the first instance was, was sold by a, a pretty, uh, a move that I'm, I'm not saying he should have seen it coming necessarily, uh, but he definitely overcommitted to, yeah. to a, a move towards the byline that, that wasn't all that dangerous. Uh, whereas the obviously more, dangerous move is him cutting back onto his onto his right foot um, yeah, absolutely. for the shot so a little bit of naivety on on the first the second was he was you know just a little bit slow to close down and his deflect you know it's ultimately a deflection off his heel carries the ball into the net um but there's definitely there's definitely a uh a little bit of an air of, of bad luck about the second. Uh, but in both instances, he's only really put under pressure because of, of mistakes. Do we, and there was a lot of, a lot of media attention to the fact that he came out and apologized, uh, to the fans for his mistakes. Um, should we be cutting Trent a little slack for this performance or is it, is it something where he's in the team? So he needs to, he needs to be performing better. Uh, in in instances against United like that, yeah, definitely the latter. If he's in, yes, he's young, and this I think this kind of got said. Like, yes, he's young, he's going to make those mistakes. So that part, the mistakes themselves are forgivable, but making them see, still leaves you open to scrutiny. And if he's in the eleven, if people are calling for the eleven, for him to be in the starting eleven, then then you've got to be able to own up to it. And that's that's actually what I like about. <laughs> Trent comparing Trent to Lovren is Lovren talked this huge game beforehand and then just, like I said, put out a turd. Arnold likewise could have done a lot better. Like you said, that first kind of, you know, <laughs> cut back from, from Rashford is, is basic defending. You put Klein in there, that goal doesn't happen. So you've got to put Trent at fault for those, but he stepped up to it. He manned up to it. And it was good to see him do that because I think that, that shows that he's recognizing that there's there's a mistake and that I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever it takes to rectify it that too. So kind of <laughs> similar performances from Leverin and Trent, but kind of black and white in terms of the uh, uh, the media reaction kind of they both gave too. So um, you know you can't make those mistakes, but <laughs> given given that he is is he 20 yet? Is he still 19? Yeah, I think he's still technically a teenager. Exactly. It's the same thing that we've seen with Skirtle that we saw with Mignolet before is that Lovren's making the exact same mistakes he's always made. And with Trent and even Gomez has been at fault for a couple errors um, this year on, on poorly tracking the flight of, of long crosses and marking men and at, at his post. So, but, but these players can learn from it. Right. And if you get to the point where they're still making these mistakes, then you got to hang him out to dry too, but that 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 ship is long sailed for Lovren, in my opinion. So Trent definitely has a long future ahead of him by the looks of things, and 
for me, there's uh, unless he's a, a squad there for rotation, there's there's no need for Lovren in any type of big match. No, I I agree. I think uh, I mean you mentioned Klein, and and when I look at a potential a potential back four without you know without any any signings or anything like that of of Klein, Matip, Van Dyke, and Robertson. I feel pretty confident in that back four uh, in, in, you know, pretty much any, I mean, any match really. Um, that is, that is a, about as solid defensively as Liverpool will get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they in don't, the last few years. Think, think about that four. They, they don't make mistakes. Klein, Robertson, Matip, especially Van Dyke, and now from when, what Carries has shown recently, I, I can't remember a single one of them. Matip had, what, an own goal maybe earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But as far as just flat-out def- defensive errors that that lead to goals, I, I can't pinpoint one of them one of, ever, ever having a single a single opportunity. Whereas with <laughs> with Moreno, with <laughs> with Lovren, obviously, with Mignolet, and then even at right back with, with Trent and Gomez this year, who have both been great, but also both shown their, their age and limitations. Right. Um, you know, that, but that first four that you mentioned, I think I, I would love for Klein to get healthy mm-hmm. so that we could get a little bit of consistency the rest of the year. Because um, I'm entirely confident with that, at least that back four. And if Karius continues to hold his own, um, I, I mean, I, as far as a defensive five unit, I think that's really strong. And it we, we've been good defensively. We just have to cut out the errors. And I think we're slowly eliminating those key players that that have been the bane of our existence for, well, we scrapped Skirtle. So maybe the past two or three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the one thing that that's truly... Uh, upsetting about this about this loss in particular is the I mean the the fact that we kind of lacked a cutting edge at the front but at the end of the day if if Lovren wins two headers uh against Lukaku then we're not even talking about a loss because you know the, the opportunities aren't created United weren't doing anything uh spectacular going forward and uh so it it's particularly particularly frustrating to concede from from simple, straightforward play like that. Um, yeah. Aside from those two, what the only other chance? And I saw a lot of people kind of giving Van Dyke grief about this. The only other chance was Mata's wide open, right? Wide open overhead kick. And I even you said that I mentioned on Twitter right before that time. I said, you know, shit, I'm nervous about. Because it, it became apparent that Van Dyke switched to Lukaku. It should be noted that after that happened, <laughs> every single challenge was 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 at least challenged or won yeah. by Van Dyke. So it completely negated that strategy. Yep. But it did kind of lead to opportunities. I think Klopp probably fixed something maybe at half. But uh, I saw I, I was incredibly nervous because that's <laughs> – as soon as Van Dyke started doing that, I knew that – there was going to be a space opened up, and that—that's how Mata's chance happened. Is that you could see Mata or Van Dyke had had eyes on Lukaku, kind of drifting that way. Right. Yes, he's kind of at fault for leaving that that much of a gap, but again, there's Lover, and not just with the two missed challenges, but then leaving 
<laughs> leaving Mata completely on side for that when nobody else is keeping him on. So that's that's what I'm hoping is that I even at Lovren's best and arguably Matip's worst, they've been almost identical in terms of their performances. So no reason no reason whatsoever to continue to try to work with Lovren. No. Um however, uh there was a silver lining this week. Um, so coming out of that game, we, we were able to, to have our, have our hopes brought back, uh, back up due to Mourinho and company, uh, coming back out onto old Trafford's pitch and (laughs) just absolutely laying an egg against Sevilla, uh, which was followed up, uh, by the special one himself saying these words, the Champions League and I knock out Man United at home at Old Trafford I sit in this chair with Porto Man United out I sit in this chair with Real Madrid Man United out so I don't think it's, it's something new for the for the club and uh, of course have you ever agreed more with Jose Mourinho <laughs> I couldn't believe it at first and I love one of the tweet I can't remember who said it but but it was something along the lines of like, imagine Liverpool fans are angry at Mourinho who wastes hundreds of millions of dollars, causes United, <laughs> causes United to drop out of Europe and then con- continues to troll his own team. But no, yeah, I, it, it's business as usual for United, right? With their recent Champions League form where uh, David Moyes, I believe that's a stat floating around, right? Moyes is the only one to get him <laughs> to get him further in yeah. what the past past six years or so? Yeah, so. since uh, Alex Ferguson left. David Moyes is a football genius, and Mourinho's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mourinho's writing seems to be on the wall a little bit. Yeah, I I think it it's kind of absurd. Some of the some of the quotes that that came out of this that being for me that's the most ridiculous. Um, it. I think I think you said it uh, shortly after the game, and then I actually saw it from a couple big accounts. I don't know if they stole the tweet from you or or what. Um, but the uh, the the comment that that a quote like that is Hodgson Hodgson esque, <laughs> and it, I mean it really struck that you know the the idea the uh, what was the quote uh, Liverpool aren't you know, too big to avoid a relegation battle. Um, that, that was the feeling. And, and that was, uh, you know, a a comment that just sent Liverpool fans reeling. Like, are you kidding me? You know, of course, of course we're too big, uh, to be, to be drawn into a, a relegation scrap, uh, or at least we should, shouldn't be. Um, so the idea that, you know, the United that United going out in the in the last uh, the last sixteen of the Champions League is you know not new is not something new. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe uh, perhaps not, but for you to say like I've been on the winning end of this uh, twice, uh, it I don't know. It just it seemed so <laughs> self serving and, and like even for Mourinho, so openly arrogant. Uh, it, it just it it boggles the mind a little bit. Yeah. Well, especially that level of complacency, like that's what drove us off the wall, right? Like Liverpool, let's not hold anything back. We've been relatively shit 
for years now, right? We've got what one league cup in the past, what 10 year, or who, who knows what, but, yeah. but the performances weren't there, but never at any time are we satisfied with this. And we're always pushing. We're always wanting more. And with Klopp, we feel like, okay, it's just, it's just around the corner and United with, with the expectations that Mourinho has coming in with the amount of money that they spend expectations <laughs> are, are going to be so much higher because I mean, fans can point to, Oh, look at, you know, the little Mickey mouse trophies that they brought in last year. And they could point to, Oh, we're still in second. We're in the FA cup. Like, you know, which is why we're talking about Mourinho's comments in the first place. Right. But <laughs> that as much as it pains me to admit it, that's not near good enough for what, for what Manchester United should expect. Not just in terms of like a, a club with their history and their performance under Ferguson, but with the amount of money they spent. City, Chelsea, and United. I mean, at worst, you need to be bringing home a trophy or two a year if you're spending a quarter to a half a billion dollars each year. Right. So there's got to be that level of scrutiny. So... I was just blown away by that level of complacency, and that's why I said it. It reminded me of Hodgson because, you know, granted it's on a, it's at a different level and different stage, but it uh, I couldn't believe it. I had to go, <laughs> I had to verify the source, make sure it's an okay, you know, an okay <laughs> publication, and then go in to actually find it to make sure he wasn't misquoted. And you hear him right there, like he's not only saying like it's normal for United to be out, but almost kind of bragging, like. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, I've put them there before and, and I've made it further. So it, it blows my mind. Yeah, I, I, I think. And, and what brings it back to the to the Hodgson reference uh, even even more is he comes out and says something like that, uh, despite his his tactical setup in the tie itself. So obviously the you know, the away leg in Spain content with a zero zero. Everyone says, hey, that's a good result for United. Um, they'll come out and, and attack at home. Uh, and they didn't, you know, they, uh, they came out and played exactly how they've played more or less, um, all season where they just, since Mourinho arrived. Yeah. They just kind of hit it and, and they (laughs) hit and hope, um, up towards their forwards. And, and so I think, what's got to be frustrating for, for United fans. And not that I sympathize. I I'm glad that United are out of the champions league. It's fantastic news. Um, but it's, it just, it just is crazy that make in making comments like this, he, (laughs) he set the team up the way that he did, especially following that, that win against Liverpool. So, I mean, you you said it before, or you said it during the game. You know why? Why is Rashford on the right? You know after he was just absolutely <laughs> devastating on the left in the two. Yeah. You know he's got two opportunities on the left hand side, takes them both against Liverpool. Meanwhile, he's on the right against Sevilla, and he's utterly toothless. You know for the entire game. Uh, he starts potentially their worst player of the Liverpool game, Fellaini. Although he was only on for about twenty minutes, he was utterly horrible um and uh he starts as part of a midfield too <laughs> and is and is just ripped apart by steven and zanzi um because what Mourinho does makes no sense like <laughs> mata's not good enough for him at chelsea becomes a key player for him at united 
It makes no sense. There's been I, I guarantee you, there's absolutely nothing changed in Ma- Juan Mata between his time at Chelsea and United. And the decisions he makes, like why why switch Rashford? Why play Fellaini? Like Fellaini is a David Moyes player, and he has run the gauntlet from Moyes to Van Gaal and even through Mourinho, and he's a key player for him. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. God bless him. Long may it continue. Because I I haven't been happier in <laughs> I think with another team loss than I was whenever Sevilla sunk United. But it's frustrating because relating it back to Lovren, we think of Sevilla as as I, I think we kind of confuse them with Atletico Madrid. Like people just <laughs> seem like, oh, Sevilla's like this defensive minded team that just kind of counterattacks and does it. Sevilla is shit defensively. I mean, they've Terrible. been leaking goals in La Liga all season long. They got and, beat. They got beat by Spartak by five in the group stage. Yeah. <laughs> this they, this is not they a good allowed defense. five goals to Spartak Moscow, who, if you'll remember, we beat seven to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what blows my mind, and what it frustrates me because number one, I think there there is an edge. I think to Mourinho whenever he plays Liverpool, and we've got other comments post <laughs> Sevilla that back that up. But also, the frustration going back to the ineptitude of Lovren to just snuff out that type of attack that Sevilla did absolutely no problem. They only United only looked threatening against Sevilla when it, it was desperation, when they needed three goals. And I think they got one from Rashford playing in a corner on the left. So mm-hmm. that that's what made, made me kind of say, all right, that that's it for Lovren. After seeing Sevilla just kind of, you know, bounce off any type of fake attack they did. Right. And I, I think, I think what's, what's also interesting about, about this, uh, about Se- Sevilla going through in general um, was it wasn't a foregone conclusion for them to make it out of the group. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will say that, that going, going forward, they're, they're absolutely ruthless. Um, however, <laughs> because Liverpool were on the end of a couple of games where, where Sevilla took every opportunity, more or less. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and... Yeah, I, I, almost one of those one of those games where, or a couple of those games where every shot on goal is is a goal, um, and we've had that too. <laughs> we don't right. want to sound like right. holier than thou against Sevilla because right. God knows we've been there. Right. However, um, in this game, Sevilla fashioned twenty one shots at Old Trafford. <laughs> that is insane. Like, how did I just I it it. It just doesn't make any sense. What were they expecting to to do in this tie? Like he, w- I, it's like Mourinho was literally setting up to smash and grab against a team that is far less, uh, you know, technically uh, gifted as as a lot of the players in in United. Um, just like there's so many, so many players. Uh, yeah, that that they have. They've spent so much money. Meanwhile, Sevilla have have a you know put together the side for you know a few million pounds, like uh, probably all put together, um, <laughs> and they went and they dominated United. Yeah, like it didn't. Nzanzi, what did Nzanzi say about it too? 
Oh, I, I don't. I didn't see his quotes after. I he he said something. Well, first off, when he poor poor Martial when he got destroyed in a clip mm. that was that mm. was going around. But mm. Nzanzi, I think, basically came out and said, "We were surprised by how much of the ball we had." Right. Because <laughs> let it, again, as much as it pains us to admit it, United is loaded loaded with quality front to back, and they just it's just. Horrible, horrible tactical setup for a man that's always praised for his, you know, pragmatic approach. And you, I mean, this is this is what you get from it, you know. Right. Take second in the league all you want, but I'll take I'll take an exciting side that's that's challenging against any team in the world to in playing our own game rather than you know kind of cowering and sitting back. So right, absolutely. So with that, we've we've got we can put United in the rear view in Europe. Um, because I think a lot of people were worried that if, if United went through, it was going to be an automatic Liverpool United quarterfinal. Well, obviously, yeah. But, but that does bring us to the business of Friday. Uh, Friday's draw for the quarterfinal. Uh, it is now the stage of the competition where there is no team that is off limits. Uh, ev- anyone can face anyone. And uh, with that being said... Um, the teams in the draw, we've got obviously Liverpool, Real Madrid, Juventus, Manchester City, Sevilla, Roma, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich. Who do you want for Liverpool in this in this in this uh, quarterfinal? If you, I think if you're going in terms of just overall quality, Sevilla, I think Sevilla is the worst the worst of the lot. Sure, but I'm I'm not gonna lie. If it was everybody and replace Sevilla with Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace would obviously be the worst team in the group. I wouldn't want to draw Crystal Palace because I'm terrified. I have a, a <laughs> massive inf- inferiority complex related to those teams just because of <laughs> just because of our recent history. Right. So, as much as I would love to draw Sevilla and absolutely pound them into oblivion. That would make for the best narrative, I think, is drawing Sevilla and absolutely crushing them. <laughs> Honestly, what I saw from Juventus against Tottenham, I think that's a team that we could just absolutely mow down just because they looked they looked old, they looked leggy, they looked tired. So between that, I would say uh, out of all the big teams to draw – I would happily take uh, Juventus, but I don't know, probably maybe Roma. Uh, I think that's a team that, that we would be able to match up well against. Um, and, and, you know, anything could happen, but I, I ideally just kind of brush them aside. Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, I think there's the clear teams that are, that are in form. They're not really facing much of a challenge in the league. Uh, for the title, and therefore, they're probably not the teams you want to face because they're going to be able to focus yeah. uh, on on the Champions League, and and so, City, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich, you definitely want to avoid at this juncture. I think, um, not to say that, not to say that I I'm worried about getting drawn with any of them because, I mean, Liverpool have shown that against against teams that set up to attack we are utterly ruthless 
Um, yeah. So I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if we get if we get drawn against a, a very you know one of the top top clubs because I think we're yeah. we're set up to beat teams like that. Um, it'll be absolutely you know butt clenchingly uh, <laughs> nerve wracking the whole time. <laughs> um, but I think I think you you were spot on in I think Juventus is like the dream draw um, for a number of reasons. One, obviously, they struggled pe- past Tottenham, and it, and it was the individual just like brilliance of Dybala that that dragged them through. Yeah. Um, but they play a back three, and that's just like this whole season. Oh. Anytime anyone sets up in a back three, it's it's the injected into my veins. Yeah, I, that that's. <laughs> Those are the tweets that I love. <laughs> it's just an absolute nightmare for for any team that's set up with a back three. I just I think about Hoffenheim at Anfield. I think about uh, God a number of a number of Premier League teams uh, this yeah. year that that dared to to set up in a back three, and it's just been it's just been absolutely horrible for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know why people continue to do it. Um, against Liverpool, it doesn't make any sense. But Juventus is set up in that system for, I mean, probably the better part of 15 years. So, uh, with with Chiellini and Barzagli and you know and company back there, they're going to do it again, um, and that would just be amazing to see um, Firmino and and Sala and Mane just rip them to absolute shreds. Um, I I really don't think there's a better matchup in, in this uh yeah in the in this draw because it gives the the appeal of hey this you know it's a a big it's you know the the biggest club in Italy um and it has that kind of feel of of an old school matchup and there's obviously a lot of history between Liverpool and Juventus with uh well the unfortunate history of, of Heisel. Yeah. Um, but the kind of the reconciliation in, in 2005 on the way, I mean, Liverpool beat Juventus over two legs to, to win the, um, you know, 2005 champions league. So I would not mind another draw with the old lady of Turin, uh, for, for a, uh, another shot at champions league glory. Um, but, I I look down this list and obviously City have have been amazing this year. Barcelona, there's a lot of narrative. Bayern Munich are you know easing their way to another Bundesliga, but there's no one on the list where I look and say, oh, like if we draw them, then it's all over. Um, yeah, I, there's what? really no one on the list that over two legs I'm I'm very concerned about. Uh, City yeah. maybe more than anyone, um, because. Um, founder of Anfield headquarters, um, and I think you can from most recently known for ripping off and plagiarizing the work of much more talented journos. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also what I enjoyed was he is the head influence. No, not the head influencer. He is the head of influencer outreach for the goat agency. Um, <laughs> but believe it or not, being the head of influencer and, Founding the Anfield headquarters, according to Twitter. <laughs> no, uh, what was I think? What was so strange about that was the uh, the reaction from the journalists who 
um, who cover the team because they were so adamant uh, in coming out and, and debunking um, this guy with the blue tick mark. I do, I do think there's, there's a level of, obviously, um, if you're handed, if you're handed that, that verification by Twitter, then people are, are likely to take your word as, as, as gospel. And, and that's just not true. Um, so yeah. I would say, you know, <laughs> warning to LFC Twitter, don't, uh, believe everything you read just because it's ver- a verified user because it doesn't necessarily mean he's verified as a journalist. You know, they, it, it, they didn't read his credentials. They didn't, like, check to make sure that he actually has a source that uh, at the team. No, yeah. And that's kind of as Facebook is dealing with their fake news drama. I think Twitter has kind of been struggling recently with their verification and it, I don't know when it was, but it seemed to just kind of explode like a whole bunch of people getting verified. And as a means, I don't know. It's just, honestly, they're most, a lot of these people are like fan ran sites and they're not credentialed journalists. Uh, I mean, sure that they've got like huge followings or they've got media or content that they put out there, but I don't, I don't know what, what prompted, them to say, oh, we need to verify God knows how many people, because now people see that tick. And, and I think the name, the name Oliver too, uh, also distracted a few people from, from the other legitimate, like Oliver Holtz and all those right. um, that, that are actual real journalists. Um, but I was actually interested by the response. I didn't see Pierce say anything, but Melissa Reddy's was really targeted specifically to the person to the point where I almost thought that since she had made that switch, I thought maybe that she felt like she missed out on something. And maybe that's why it was so kind of like, you know, just like a dagger towards that person. Because I I felt like that might have been like she was tweeting with like cold sweats, like, oh, shit, you know, I'm not I'm not in the inner circle now and I missed this. But it's kind of like Duncan Castle's what tweeting about uh, who is the who who went down for city or earlier and he's like oh he's got a you know compound fracture too or something like he completely made something up and it turned out to be true so that's the problem with with i think social media based kind of journalism is that you can put anything out there and if one thing sticks then you know it looks great and even if you miss out then say oh my source is wrong you know so there's no accountability if you screw it up but you can have a field day and like, I can go out there and claim like, Hey, you know, I've got a, a good buddy here in Mexico city. That's got, or no, no, I met somebody once in New York city that said he was friends with, uh, who's the old doctor, uh, Zaff or whatever his name oh, is. Oh yeah. Zaff I could have pulled, I could have pulled, pulled a bullshit rumor out of my ass. Like, Oh, Lalana, you know, inside source, Lalana's out for two months. Right. And if he's healthy the rest of the season, like nothing's going to come back to haunt me. I look like an ass for about, two seconds and then I can just go on with my day. So there's no real accountability. So who knows? The story's probably all bullshit. And even if it turns out to be true, I really doubt that the founder <laughs> of, of Anfield headquarters and the head of influencer for goat agency or whatever it is actually got the inside scoop on Firmino. Yeah. that And, and I think, I think he he capitalized on something that you know Liverpool Twitter wanted to see, um, 
And so in in doing that, he's going to get you know a load of a load of retweets and and favorites, and everyone's going to be very high on on uh, his site until obviously they figure out that it's not real, and then it's going to be it's going to come crashing down. But I mean, they've had plenty of backlash in their ranks for uh, you know all kinds of reasons um, with the their writers. <laughs> plagiarizing etc so <laughs> I, I i think it I, it's just it's one of those things where it is you know the buyer beware um but in this case it's it's reader beware because there is there is no real accountability on twitter it's it's a social media site not not a news site um yeah and i think people get confused when because of the amount of journalists who use the platform um, to break news, uh, they take all breaking news as as news. Um, so, the I mean, the bottom line here is that so of the three, really, if you want to know when Firmino signs his new contract, you're probably going to want to follow one of the top three. But Paul Joyce is probably going to break it uh, when it actually occurs. So go ahead and yeah. be like Pat, <laughs> set the notifications up. And when Paul Joyce lets you know, then you're gonna know that it's that it's legit. Yeah. If I like I said, if I want depressing news, I'm gonna follow along and have uh, Pierce destroy hopes and dreams of any potential transfer that I had. Um, probably next on the list might be uh, Roman's goalkeeper Allison. But but no, I mean <laughs> it's just it, if you're peddling that kind of crap, then you're gonna fall into it. So we talk about LSD Twitter a lot, so. We figured it would be good to close with a few a few pearls of wisdom here. Absolutely, and uh, you know, no one on LFC Twitter is perfect, um, and uh, I think in this case we just have to know who who the real sources are. Um, but I think there's a couple couple accounts that are that are perfect. Who, who's perfect? I, I think if you want, then, you know, you follow at the two red gringos. But I don't want to steal your thunder. This is your, this is your part. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. No, do as, Pat, do as Pat says. Follow the two red gringos. Uh, we're going to be, obviously, a lot, more, uh, a lot more fun and a lot less verified news. Um, <laughs> you won't get the breaking stuff from us, but you will get quite a bit of banter and quite a bit of, uh, of nonsense. Um, you can also obviously check us out at our website, uh, tworedgringos.com. We've got an Instagram. We've got uh, you can you can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Play uh, to our show. There is loads of ways to find us. Um, but uh, yeah, with Two Red Gringos, you can you can pretty much find us anywhere. Uh, get in, interact, and uh, and yeah, we'll uh, have some fun with this as I think we had fun tonight. Um, we've got some cool things in the works, um, so be on the lookout for new episodes with uh, potentially uh, El Paso's new professional soccer team. Um, that one's that one's in the works. We've got a whole. Mexican beer conversation that we've been trying to have for about two months now um, with the El Paso crew so we've got that in the works there's there's a lot of things waiting in the wings uh, we still got a couple of guests we gotta have on um, that we've been trying to have on for a while so plenty 
plenty of content to come from from the two red gringos and i i hope you guys will stick around for it um check all all of our stuff out at our website and uh we hope to talk again soon um for patrick staley this is phil Bakke. adios adios Smoking on the low, I still been plotting on the low, scheming on the low. The farthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know. I just been drinking on the low, mobbing on the low, fucking on the low, smoking on the low. I just been plotting on the low, scheming on the low. The farthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know.
bonus gringo time. Yeah, bonus gringo time. Yeah, because I, I forgot to, about uh, that Cyprus. narrative of what Klopp's history. I was reading an article. I don't know if it was like the Mirror, or the Echo, but it was the results post Klopp vacation trip with the team. So, and then I was thinking about Firmino's metal tie. Yeah, off in other foreign lands. No, that's what. Yeah, so the squad went to Dubai. He went to Cyprus. Um, him and his wife. Um, and the the thing that really blew my mind was that he didn't post anything about Phil's departure for like a week. Yeah. Um, and I even tweeted about it at the time, like noticeably absent Instagram post <laughs> from Firmino about <laughs> about Coutinho leaving. Uh, it eventually did come through, but it, I I don't think it was uh, till after his vacation. Um. So it's kind of a oh, yeah. weird, almost like Bobby took like a retreat, you know, to kind of get his <laughs> thoughts together. <laughs> I think all all Bobby needs is just him and his wife cruising around in ridiculous outfits. And yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he'll be too beat up about it. No, I, I think uh, obviously it probably took a little bit of time. And uh, I mean, it's uh, it's it's definitely a weird profession in terms of you know the amount of transience of your of your friends it's i mean it is kind of like (laughs) i mean it's kind of like the army in a weird way like you move you move around you know every few years every uh, every few years yep um so yeah it's uh definitely weird and definitely something he'll have to get used to but i think um i don't know i think i think he's got the resilience to kind of get some drake in here as well we didn't play a 442 but 442 2 <laughs> no uh yeah the uh i i i think he'll be fine and and with uh nabi keita being being spotted in oh yeah we that outfit it up. <laughs> i mean this is all this is all bonus bonus features but no uh nabi nabi and bobby is that going to be a... Oh, uh, <laughs> that, that's a good one. That's a nickname I can get on board with. Nabi had, and Bobby. I, what, once you posted that, I had a definite Rush Hour 2 vibe with Jeremy <laughs> Piven. Yeah, I saw that. Krakskin, uh, Krakskin. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be... Uh, I, I don't know. I think just the... Because Nab, watching Nobby play for, for uh, Leipzig, it, there's, there's a definite personality personality there. And, and I just... yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of important um, for for the squad to have those kind of characters because uh, how long was how long was it just so I don't know. The team seems so stale, like in ter- <laughs> and like just lacking the because yeah. Gerard obviously was the leader for the longest time, but um, but there were there was just such a lack of like flair about the team. Yeah, um, and now just between Bobby and, and, uh, there's just so much like there's the creativity on, on the pitch, but it's just, I don't know. I think it's kind of important to have that kind of personality, um, off it as well. And just everybody, I don't know. Everybody's enjoying their, enjoying their time at the club. And I just, I can't wait for, uh, I can't wait for, for some players who, you know, may have moved on from the team to just, regret their decision as oh, yeah. goes on to, to conquer the world and uh, you know some small clubs from uh, Catalonia are relegated to the, <laughs> the annals of history I wonder if Phil <laughs> was, was watching as closely 
for the city game as he was for the uh, derby against Everton, <laughs> two inches yeah. from the screen. Yeah, two so. feet away with the chair pulled uncomfortably close. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I'm, I think our, I think our squad is, uh, is set up to to do some damage. I, I don't, you know. Obviously, this season the our best shot is, is the FA Cup probably. Um, although I won't, I won't put a, a deep Champions League run against us because probably the best team in Europe we just beat. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Han- handled for yeah. eighty minutes. Yeah, just handled them. So and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes and yeah. against some of the lesser opposition and especially against Porto. Porto's top of the Portuguese league, right? Yeah, I mean, but the Portuguese league, like, I mean. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're they're beating some farmers, you know, they, week in a week. It, it, there had to be the farmers reference. If we talked about PSG Monaco and the, the French standings and didn't mention farmers, yeah, then. just absolute farmers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think we've got we've got some good weeks ahead of us. But um, so next, uh, I'm trying to think. Like next episode, probably shoot for. For a post, uh, I mean, we could do a Swansea build-up. I, I'm kind of thinking I almost want to do work. like a like a non. <laughs> I want to do an episode where we literally only talk about the like stuff off the field. Like we only talk about Bobby's <laughs> outfits. I or, like that could be good between if we do one between like Swansea and West Brom. Yeah. Because that's a pretty big gap right there, and then it starts to heat up a little bit. So yeah, right. yeah we can we'll definitely see. target that. Yeah, I don't know. I think right, that would cool. be entertaining. But yeah, we'll put together a doc. Yeah, for sure. All right. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you. All right, see you, dude. My girl ain't bad. She more like evil when I'm looking in the mirror. How flies this Negro? She on Hollywood and Vine. Thinking that she Hollywood on Vine. Making movies with her friends all the time. Showing off her ass as a network. But I saw through it like I wore shirts. Drive slow because your mic swerve off it. Still eating the hate so saucy. Switch rooms in my roommate's coffee and got more likes than a white girl talking. More hits than a white girl talking.